Alright, so everybody, what's up? Welcome to KBN Live. Uh, starting a little bit late, but, you know, not too bad for, I guess, what we call old school standards. Ryan and I used to have some, some technical difficulties in the early stages, so we're throwing it back a little bit. Uh, back on the horse. Back on the horse, that's right. Uh, but, yeah, back on a Monday night, welcoming uh, Drew Gregory back to the show after his huge win over at Lake Dardanelle. Drew, thanks for stopping on the side of the road there and, and jumping on our podcast with us, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, guys, absolutely, man. Happy to do it. Obviously, it's a good reason it's for a good cause, so definitely going to stop and talk to as many of you guys as possible, and uh, it's, it's a pretty cool event, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I know this was a big win for you, but it was also a record setter for Arkansas, and we never had a tournament over 100 people, so to have AJ bring that here in the, in the Bass Open Series and then it, you know go off, it was a challenging event. A lot of people showed up for it, and it was, it was fun to watch. I was in it. I struggled, but it was still fun to be a part of. So, yeah, thanks for coming on yeah. here and talking about it. Yeah, it was a big, big event. You're right. And, uh, you know, I told, I talked to Garrett Morgan uh, before the event. You know, he's local. And I said, how much do you think he's going to win? He said, man, it might take 89, 92 inches a day. And I was like, good Lord, you serious? Gee, money. He was like, yeah, these other tournaments have, you know, winning links of that quality. And I said, you know what, though, man, 85 a day will win this thing. And here, because I don't think you've ever seen this many anglers. And this quality of that many anglers, that's going to eat into everybody's lengths a little bit. And Always sure enough, does. man, I pretty much, um, I guess I kind of called that because <laughs> yeah. it pretty much took exactly 85 a day. But Yeah, um, we had a preview show like a week before. Uh, interviewed uh, Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment, and we had uh, AJ and, and Garrett on. And we all kind of batted around and thought mid-80s to high-80s both days would win it. And frankly, I don't know if you followed any of the local bass boat derbies that went down over the last two weeks because the lake's been fishing tough. You guys would have yeah. won every single bass boat tournament that's happened here in the last two weeks. They were all catching yeah. 12 pounds, 13 pounds a day. Yeah, absolutely. That's a testament to what the kayak can do and where we can go and, you know, the place we can get to. And it's a funny story you said that because I was um, fishing one day. I came down uh, one of the creeks and into the lake. And I saw a bass boat way up a creek, and he's fishing real, real good. And there's some load goes on his boat, and uh, you know, double power poles and all that. And I talked to him for a little while. We had a we had a good chat, and he said he was pre-fishing for the Toyota Series event, and a uh, real nice guy. And then um, I said, how much do you think it's going to take to win? He's like, you know, man, 13, 14 pounds have been winning these tournaments, so it's it's fishing tough. I said, all right, man, we'll I'll see you later. What's your name? I'll I'll follow along, and um, you know, just check up on how you're doing he said uh fred rumbanis yeah <laughs> so, yeah so anyway i said oh i know who you are dude i was like and he laughed and he said his, his other boat was in the shop and i said dude you weren't throwing a frog you had me all fooled i would have known it was you if you just been throwing a frog <laughs> that's cool. but he was a nice guy and he, uh, he definitely said it was fishing tough as well so I, that's kind of when i knew 85 a day would, would get it done um most likely well how long were you so there what? drew oh go ahead brian i'm sorry no, no. You take it, Jeff. This is Arkansas, Arkansas nah. City right well, well, what I was going to ask is how long were you there? Because from Sunday until the tournament day, and even on Saturday, Sunday of tournament weekend, the lake and river changed a lot each day. It was going up a foot or two or back down. Yeah. Uh, so were you there all week and got to kind of be part of that? Yeah. Follow those fish? Yeah, I words? was. I was there. Tuesday I arrived, and I only had Tuesday, and I just drove around did like the whole access point scouting and that kind of stuff on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I pretty much did the same thing all day. I hopped out and, and threw some casts, obviously from the bank and, and just 
stuff like that, but never really put the kayak in. So I, and I, so I sort of saw what you're talking about. Everything kind of came down because we had that rain from before, and then it kind of all just sort of fell out, I guess. So anyway, my stuff sort of stayed consistent enough, I guess, for me. But, um, yeah, I noticed a little bit of it. So what – what was your key to success here? Like, what did you do different? You said these bass boat guys were struggling. Obviously, it was tough across the board. We saw some hammers that couldn't, you know, manage to, to get a limit out of this lake. So what did you do that was so much different that just kind of set you above, barely above Siddiqui, but above? <laughs> yeah, barely. <laughs> I don't even know if barely, really, technically, nothing at all. But, yeah, oh, <laughs> just have Eric on and compare. Cause, but, you know, I guess – my thing is, and it doesn't always work out, and fortunately this time it did, um, but I just was looking for some unpressured fish and, and some locations that had some, you know, bass boats couldn't get to, and I just found one spot that had big fish, and it wasn't very big, and there weren't many in there, and that's why I had to really, really manage them, because I caught one big one pre-fishing, and I left it alone, because I didn't even want to catch another one, because I knew if there was one big one there, there had to be more. And Russ Snyder's on stage talked about how he thinks he – there was a lot of places like this. Jeff, you know, I mean, you've, you know, more local to you, you kind of understand when I say this. There's a lot of access points, a lot of access, and a lot of creeks. And you can pop in, pop out, and you can pop in and clean it out, especially if there's a bunch of people pretty quick. So if you're pre-fishing and doing that to your own fish, and he thinks he caught a little too many pre-fishing, and maybe I just left it alone the right time and didn't need to see any more and i just that was the right call because i needed you know those two kickers from that spot both days and i just found a spot that no one else would really get into um and it was it was tough to get into and uh you know i went under a deadfall one time and had to push with my life you know my life jacket was pressed up against this log i had to lay my seat down on this little 10 foot crescent ultralight kayak because obviously you guys i mean i've been in this little 10 footer you can see it's just if i can show it dude it's just this little thing right here and um, so obviously my deal was just kind of moving to different places and finding water that was less pressured if I could. And, and um, I just had this one little spot that just happened to have a few big fish in there. And it, it just it held out for two a day. And then I put that together with a limit from another spot that other people were definitely fishing. But it was very, very easy, I would say, to get a limit of 14 to 16 inch fish in there. So I did that. And then I bounced my big fish spot because I only needed a hours there because that's all the time it took to fish that area but nice strategy yeah it worked out and i guess i was going to say you know i did a lot of um pre-fishing and looking for places like that and i put in on a ton of them and it i fought hard to get to so many of these cool wild places that i, I guess i'm sort of known for fishing and unfortunately it just it doesn't always work out i mean it, if it's wild and unpressured it doesn't mean that giant fish are there they still have to have the ecosystem, the environment, the bait fish, you know, the food, and every other thing, everything, oxygen, everything, the cover, for it to be good. And I've found a lot of places that were not good, but at least it told me what wasn't good and helped sort of lead me to, you know, the one spot that I did find that was good. I'm just fortunate I found one. One spot is all it took to kind of, you know, seal the deal with having a couple kickers each day. Let me ask Would you Would you this. go as far to say as you are hooked on wild waters? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would go just just that far. Not okay. any further though, right now. All right. Just, okay. just that All right. far. Shameless plug. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let, let me ask you yeah. this, Drew. A lot of people were complaining about there being too many shad in the lake, like out in the river and in and, and the mouths of the creeks. Back in these spots you found, were, they, were there shad pushed in there or were they eating something yeah. else? Shad. There were shad. That's, that's one reason I knew this spot was a little special. Not that every, you know, arm of the in creek, did, you know, didn't have shad, but this spot had um, a fair amount and the water clarity and the, everything was just right. The, the cover, the vegetation. And then I, I saw um, a bald eagle there. I didn't see any other bald eagles the entire trip except for this location, uh, which is kind of a good sign, obviously. Uh, and then I also saw just a lot of life, man. A lot of, I mean, not that it matters for fishing, but it was just cool. I saw a coyote run right in the middle, right near me, right up to me on the bank. Didn't seem to care. It was crazy. I saw a gar, one of the biggest gar I've ever seen. And this wasn't a spot that was stagnant water that was just lifeless. You know, you'll see gar in sometimes and they'll be uh, surfacing. This was like, this had, you know, it was nice clean water. So the gar was in there and it was the biggest gar I'd ever seen in my life. And I fished a lot of big lakes and big rivers. I've never seen a gar this big in my life. It was nearly as long as this kayak, and it was so wide. And I said, "Man, there's there's a food source here, and a and a massive one. These fish are all they all have to eat the same stuff." So um, that put me in lots of different clues. And then, of course, once I caught that that one big fish and pre fish in the twenty and a quarter, then I, I just said, "Let's let's pray to God there's more of them here come tournament day." You know, I'm just. Gonna- Did you see anybody else in there? Were you having to share that particular water? with anybody else or was it pretty tough to get to um yeah there was no one else in there nobody else was in there just me i was just fortunate like i said to to find a spot that no one else really because here's the thing man i pre-fished i fished it for a while pre-fishing and all i caught was 12 10 11 and 12 inch spotted bass or little largemouth but nothing except for that one gigantic else that pre-fished it they just thought this is dink fest and they left but i was throwing i, I just i got fortunate man that i, I was throwing buzz baits whopper plovers just calling up big fish and in pre-fishing i caught it on a buzz bait and um i honestly just was very fortunate because other people probably pre-fished it and they just never really knew quite what was there because they never there was very few of these big fish there i'm telling you there's few and far between and you you probably left it most people were probably left so I think that's what happened i talked to a lot of people that that had that you know, i say a lot a handful of people that had big fish spots like that where they were saving them for later in the day or the second yeah. day of the tournament or they had one i talked to jim clark he had a big fish area that he just knew was going to reload and he caught a big one in there uh, on day one yeah uh, but it never reloaded so a lot of this a lot of folks seem like they had to do that they had to catch their limit and then move into those big fish areas yeah i mean it, it seemed like it was the strategy and this lake is such a good lake for that's why it is really a good kayak fishing lake because you can move places you know what i mean and and do it quickly i could have moved a third time if i really wanted to but but you also have to factor in your you're loading up you're unloading your travel time i just didn't feel like it was worth it to go to three three places you know so but it's definitely a strategy you gotta you gotta find a place that can get you limit and you gotta find a place for big fish and, and if you can Really, be really lucky you can find a place that's got it all but i wasn't able to find that i'm not sure how Siddiqui did it but um i had to move i had to move to make it happen crank up the outboard as i say crank up the outboard. yeah there's no telling how Siddiqui did it yeah no telling hey you know what drew people don't i guess you really don't think about that but you know darnell runs right along i-40 so you can hop on the interstate and run yeah. from one lock to the other at 80 miles an hour which is kind of unique for a you know kayak fishing lake yeah yeah, no, it is, man. I'm trying to tap backwards. 
victims noticing that shade there. No, you're good. Um, and that's actually that's actually cool um, point because I forty's right there, and I was on it. I was I had about twenty, you know, twenty five minutes or so. I think twenty five thirty minutes for my ride. So, you know, it wasn't that bad um, at all. And because I have such a small little, you know, ten foot um, Crescent Ultralight that's forty nine pounds. I mean, I had that thing on the truck. I mean, I was like a pit crew out there, man. It was serious. It was like, boom, boom, strap it down fast. And I was on the road. I probably, you know, did it all and unloaded and was back in the water, you know, 35, maybe 40 minutes at the most. And I was eating. It was a cool thing. My plan, I get out around 11. One day, the second day I got out an hour sooner because I wanted to have one more hour at the big fish area to make sure I had a good chance to get a couple. And I would eat my lunch, if you will, on the way there. I didn't eat, you know, I ate breakfast and I didn't eat anything until the drive. So it was kind of nice because you get something accomplished on the way as well you know you rehydrate and you eat and then boom you're back in and then you feel good you know so do you have i heard this and i don't know if it's true or not do you have a winch in the back of your truck i do have a winch yeah yeah i got one <laughs> i wonder if you guys can see it can you flip the camera on this Skype? i don't know no you can so what about i don't know if you can see like, it i'm pretty sure he's like i'm pretty uh, sure this is drew's truck like up on this vertical bank and he's like I think he has a winch in the back of his truck, and I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. He's, he's ready. We're flipping it all around. I'm getting I'm getting vertigo by watching it. <laughs> oh, I did the wrong. I think I flipped the camera. Sorry, guys. No, you're I good. I did flip it on. I was trying to show you the winch. Well, here's now you got it. I got now a bunch of junk. I do have one. I mean. I got you. Okay. Uh, you can't really see it there. The light's not. But you no, can but so what kind of what kind of kayaks you got there? I saw that one has a bow mounted trolling motor, huh? It does. This is a um a crescent um light tackle, this this green one. It's uh -huh. twelve and a half foot, twelve and a half foot. I got the motor guy on it, and then this is the ultra light that I use. It's just a smaller eh, the lighting's better this way. It's just a smaller um you know boat. It's like ten foot, forty nine pounds. It's good for doing what I did. Let me actually grab this. Hang on. Bear with me, guys. I got, I got something here. This man, I can't prepare. This man, how do you have all this energy after that two-day grinder? <laughs> oh, There's my uh, spotlight. There's my winch and my right. toolbox and stuff. But it's there, you know. So if you ever get in a bind. If you're trying to get to those wild waters, you can just winch your, winch your boat right up there. Yeah, it's more being lazy than anything. <laughs> like, I can always I like it. get in and – I can get in and out, out of most any spot, you know what I mean? Like, especially with a 49-pound kayak, you can put it over your head. But it was yeah. more like, you know, I'm getting older and I'm just wanting to be lazy. And if, if I need it, it's there. But you got to be careful. I mean, some some tournaments you can't even, you know, you can't use it during tournament and stuff like that. So you got to pay really? attention. Can't use the what? Yeah. Pretty, the winch. Really? Oh, the winch. I'm pretty sure BASS, I'm pretty sure BASS has a rule in their uh, Huck kayak series. You can't Seriously? use the winch. Yeah. I never even yeah. Know, okay. Oh, shit. I need to go read those rules again. I didn't know you could Damn, I'm, use a no, winch to load a kayak. I, yeah, I used it during pre-fishing. I don't know if you guys heard the story. I talked about how I got the truck stuck, which, <clears> again, it's not <laughs> – you guys may have seen my post. But it's pretty dirty. It's pretty dirty <laughs> here. I don't know if you can see that. But I got her stuck in, uh, in a mud hole, and – I ended up um, using the winch on that day of pre-fishing, actually, because, again, it was kind of a steep area, and I was just kind of lazy. But anyway, but... um, Did I, did I read you've had to find one of the neighbors and, like, knock on a door to get help with that? Or yeah. What? 
I did. There's this guy. His, his name was Aaron. He had a Jeep in the front of it, and I thought, if there's anybody that's going to help me, this guy's going to be, like, excited about it. And yeah, Jeep guys love that stuff. He, he loved it. His, it was the most pretty, beautiful-looking Jeep you've ever seen, but it had the winch, and it had some rigid lights on it. I said, this guy, I got – this guy's been in every mall parking lot in Arkansas, yeah. but I bet yeah. he'd love to help me. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, no doubt. He, he did. So anyway, he woke. He, he said he was asleep. He works like third shift, and he was trying to sleep. But he, he heard the door knock, and he, he woke up. And I was like, I'm sorry, man. But then he, he he heard what happened to me, and he said, Heck yeah, let's go, man. I said, I'm gonna help you get your money's worth out of this Rubicon. And he said, Let's do it. So we went over there and walked back over. I mean, I knocked on many doors and tried waving down many. I even waved down a sheriff, and she said. I don't know anybody around here has got a win. She can help you out. Sorry. She, <laughs> Arkansas. She, she drove away. She didn't care. She was like, she wouldn't. Man. But I had a, um, a wrecking service on their way. I got free uh, roadside assistance anyway. So they were an hour out. But this guy tried to help me. And then his Jeep. So what happened is it was a steep uh, hill. It oh. rained on a day. We weren't expecting any rain. Remember that? I think it was Thursday. And I was on my way back out of this area, this, this you know muddy dirt road. And you have to go through a mud puddle and up a hill. Well, that hill was dry on the way in, and now I'm going up on the way out. And I went through the mud puddle and up the hill, and she was slipping. It doesn't matter how big tires tires you have. Once mud gets in those grooves, you're done. And that's what happened. And he came there, and he had to go down the hill, and he was going to try to skirt around my vehicle, and he could not. He started sliding down the hill towards my Tacoma, and he barely stopped before he hit it. And he, he was stuck, and he couldn't get out. And he had, we had to walk back to his house. And get his ATV, his ATV had a winch, and we had to winch my truck out so he could get his truck down. He His truck went down and got stuck in the same mud hole, and then we had to take what the winch. Yeah, then we had to take his ATV winch to get him out of that mud hole, and then we both had to get a lot more speed and momentum and take a different line and, and go fast up the hill to get out. It was crazy, man, but it you know, wasted Jeez. about two hours of my day. Was it worth $6,000? <laughs> it actually was. That was the spot that uh, ended, up, uh, ended up working out for me. So. Was that the big fish spot? Was that the big Dang. fish spot? It, it ended up being, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. You earned it. You earned All it. Right. You earned That's a hell of a story then. It is. Hey, and I got big bass, big bass too, so I think it pushed me up to about 7,000 on this one. So Sweet. I was, I'm stoked, man. Woo. I've never won one of these, man, so I'm really excited to um, you know, have won one. I've been second a lot, and in a lot of events and, and up there close, but never won one. So I was joking on stage. Just, I was just happy that some Russ and Jody. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a miracle in itself. It's hard to, yeah, hard to is. get in front of either of those two any day of the week. That's true. That's true. Especially I, when they start out with a lead. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's I, I, hard I, to sneak up on them. Jody and I fished a lot of the same water. Uh, I ran into him on day one. I would tell you that I heard his chances, but I didn't. All I did was get the 10 inches out of the way so that he could catch the good fish. <laughs> so Jeff sent us a picture. He's like, man, he's like, y'all aren't going to believe this. Jody Queen's in my spot. <laughs> and then we just watched Jody wax his ass all day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> all day. So, you know what I did day two? I, I, I went to a different area and got a limit and then came back and tried to catch a bigger one later on in the day uh, so, I would, so I wouldn't be bothering anybody in the morning. But And it worked out. I got my limit but on But you day made two. a little comeback on day two. Yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say, you, you, you made a move on day two. I, I went ahead and got my – you know what? And I'll, I'll ask you about this, Drew, because the difference in great anglers like Drew, Russ, 
uh, Jody, Cody, people we see at the top of the leaderboards all the time, is they're making adjustments. So when I saw Jody, and it kind of gave me a chuckle, I was coming out of this creek. We ran into each other, visited for a little bit. I actually saw him catch a fish, took a picture of it for him. And uh, Anyway, anyway, at that, at that point, he wasn't having a very good day yet, right? And he's like, well, this is going to be a struggle for me, you know. And he turned around and went back out, and I stayed in the back of this creek for the rest of the day almost. Next thing I know, I look at the leaderboard, and he's got 87 inches or whatever he had on day one, and I'm staying. I'm in the back of this creek thinking I've got this to myself. Well, yeah, I had it to myself because I didn't make the adjustments. So what tipped you off to make those kind of adjustments during the day, Drew? I think it was just I had just there pre-fishing and fished. So I think what a lot of people, they make a mistake. They uh, pre-fish, you know, they do their, an online map or they scout, you know, and they have all these points they want to go check out. And they probably only pre-fish like a few of them. And they only check out a few of them because they, they put the kayak in and they start fishing. And they just keep fishing and keep fishing. Next thing you know, it's like the day's almost over and they maybe have time to go check out one more. And if you do that, you're never um, get to all the spots. You know what I mean? So I was just fortunate to be able to check out all the spots, fish them from the bank and, and just observe and, and rule them out pretty quickly. And then I kind of fished enough of the good ones that I felt have potential to know just to simply know what was actually there so i just sort of it wasn't that the environment or anything changed during the day for me to move i just knew that this first place i was only going to catch four fish i wasn't finding any big ones at all so i knew that that was all that was there so i mean how long once you get a limit of those fish why are you going to you know keep, stay there right? right and then i knew that the second spot didn't have numbers but it had big ones i mean it had numbers of little teeny ones like 10 to 12 but it had the rant these random big females so that's just kind of what tipped me off was just it was my pre-fishing sort of you know research that i just kind of knew that's how i'm gonna have to get this done if i'm gonna be able to get a limit first of all and then two kickers hopefully to go with that limit you did it and that kind of leads into a question that andy webb had in the comments he said when breaking down a new lake like this where do you begin and you kind of answered that with what you said there yeah but it's a good question man it's tough um so i've been doing uh, some uh guide trips and, and they're more like um you know this one guy is awesome uh, nick nick robinson i went to salem i've been kind of you know hired by him to be a sort of kayak coach and i've been teaching him a lot of this stuff too and you know I, i'm not gonna obviously have time to get into all the details um but i guess i just bring it up to say i've been look man you gotta you gotta continue to study and learn and you know a lot about the environment and about you know even like you guys had uh johnny schultz on you said right with uh just a moment can you say you had johnny schultz yeah, on we did okay he did a little thing with rick klein and they were talking one time i remember watching one of his things and he said sometimes maybe you need to be studying you know the mouse and not the owl you know what i mean or that you know the so like we just focus on the bass instead of the bait and and like basically i think this point is the more you can study that stuff and study in my opinion the environment too and everything else all the little the pieces of the recipe that that a reason why a, a big fish is there because big females and big bat largemouth in general or any bass you're almost i treat them as a different species altogether like the way you fish for them the way you target them and what you look for they're so some people they'll just be little fish and they'll think well this is this is it here's where i am but I mean, in a tournament, that's not really, I know that's good to have a limit and all that, and it's nice, two days, but if you're really trying to win, you got to, like, find those is cool, but you almost got to ignore them to some degree once you've found some of those, because a lot of times males, the bucks will just kind of hang out together in certain spots, 
a lot of times on rivers you'll see little areas that there'll be bucks and no big females. The female it was that way. The females were isolated, doing totally different stuff than all these little little ones that were in the shoals, these little um, you know bucks that were in the shoals. And you gotta like not let yourself get fooled. And it just takes time and experience. But basically I just have to I break down the way I like to fish to answer this question. I look at, you know, any little backwaters, hard to get two places. That's my style. It works for me. And um, I mean, it's, until now, it's never really won a big event, but it's you know done pretty well with it. And I kind of find fish that want to feed or will feed the way I like to fish. Um, I just, you know, mainly power fish, straight braid, you know, spinner baits, chatter baits, buzz baits, whopper ploppers. And if they don't feed that way, they don't want to feed it that way, then I just don't really care about them. I don't want anything to do with them. I, I can find fish. I don't. I can find fish. Usually, I can find fish in a body of water that's that big, that will eat the way I like to fish, which is you know single hook, single uh, hook lures, that with 30 pound braid on a bait caster that you know you got a better chance to land them, and they call up big fish, and it just, but it's just not easy. I mean, you just gotta. I just had to break down all those little places and go check them out, John, and just. And just look and see if all the pieces that puzzle were there. And then obviously you fish it a little bit and find out. You can make casts on the bank and just see what kind of, you know, look in the water, see what kind of bait's there and everything else and sort of start learning if I need to put the kayak in or not based on the water clarity, if it's moving or not, if you're looking for moving water. And then uh, you can save yourself some time if you kind of learn some of those things and then move on when you need to move on. You know, it's a lot of time it's about folding at the right time you know what i mean to go somewhere else great answer trying to yeah, that was rambling i i don't know if that's that great but <laughs> yeah 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 it answered his question thoroughly so that's great all right all right thanks man what do you think what do you think about this drew you know darnell doesn't get the get the uh doesn't draw the eyes like gunnersville or lake fork or anything like that but what do you think of it as a kayak lake kayak tournament lake I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, for, because there was so much access, you know, a lot of places have limited access. Uh, even, you know, I was talking with Russ Snyder, and he was just saying, you know, hey, you know, uh, the Delta was really cool, but it's actually tough for a kayak fishing tournament because there's very, very few access points. And there's a lot of lakes you could say the same thing about. Like, man, we're just stuck to these, you know, six to ten access points, and everybody's loaded up there. And you got a hundred and something people in the tournament, so you can only get so far away from from you know. If you did, even if everyone was evenly distributed at these, you know, ten spots or six spots, that's a lot of kayaks. It can only go so far. But Dardanelle is the complete opposite because we had this many people, and I know there's a lot of people in certain areas. For example, I ignored the, the Illinois Bayou. I never even, and this kind of goes back to this question, but I never even looked at it, only because. And he, I mean, I saw so many bass tournaments and all the scouting, uh, YouTube, wherever you want to look, you know, Bassmaster Elite Series, everybody's in the Illinois Bayou, everybody's in the Illinois Bayou, and that's cool, but they also couldn't get to other places that we could, and you know what I mean? And I knew that most people, if they did a simple research, they were going to be there, and people did good in Illinois Bayou, they did, they did really good there, but I saw how many other access points there were to get us into places that bass boats could not get, so if I was in a bass boat tournament, yeah, I might be in I might have been in the Illinois Bayou because it was an awesome area for, you know, what they can get to. And there's so much contour and so much good, clean water and, and you know, structure there. But and grass and everything else, it's everything you would want, right? The old strip pits, there's lots of cool stuff there. But 
we have a, an advantage they don't have. So that's why Dardanelle is so great to me is because we really could put in it's so many places. And even Cody Milton was telling me before the tournament, he said, man, you could, there's so much state land all around this entire lake. You can almost put in, you know, anywhere and you can get to anything. And a lot of that stuff, the boats can't get to. So I thought if I could find that honey hole that the boats couldn't get to, that also had all the rest of the formula, I could maybe uh, find some big fish and, and pull it off. And obviously, uh, fortunately I did. So would you say Cody Milton's advice is what got you stuck? Yes. All <laughs> Cody's fault. <laughs> uh, serious yeah, question. You know, so Luke, Luke Turner says, uh, will the rules for the Kusi, the Kusi, <laughs> the Kusa event hurt your fishing style? You can't go past the first shoals. Nah, I mean, it's not going to hurt my style. Uh, I'll, I'll find, I'm not worried about it. You know, I mean, I've, I can uh, still fish that style you know, um, in other areas of the lake, you know, so, and there's a couple lakes there in the river, so I can find, usually I can find fish that'll, sorry, almost dropped my phone, that'll feed that way, but um, it's not going to be easy, uh, and, and the thing is, I would have, if we could go up past the first shoal, I would check those areas out for sure, but it, it still doesn't mean that I would have ended up fishing there, you know what I mean, that's not what I, I think people have a misconception, I do that every single time, you know, and you know, the national championship, I got second in the lake, you know, but I, I had a definitely found an area of the lake that still had some some current, you know, to it. Um, but I'll definitely um, still be able to find some fish that I think will be feeding aggressively on the kind of stuff that, that I want to throw. But it's, I mean, I don't prefer that the rules are like that. I prefer that we obviously have a little bit more um, moving and, and water in, in play just because it spreads people out more. It gets us off the bass anglers. Um, every one of these lakes have big tournaments every weekend. And and honestly, and even Fred Rumbanis, when I talked to him, he was like, man, yeah, I wish you guys had more of that water, you know, because kayakers are everywhere on this place. And, and um, you know, I just feel like it gets us spread out a little bit more from their world and their territory. And that's the reason we all have these kayaks is to get into these remote places. Otherwise, we, we'd just be in a boat, you know, if that's all we're limited to is the lake. But uh, whatever the rules are, every tournament, you know, I just kind of have to deal with it and look at it and try to figure it out based on those parameters. But I do wish we had more of that stuff in balance, um, honestly, just because I think there should be a little bit more of it. But it's all good. <laughs> are you fishing the national championship on Gunnersville? I am going to fish it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a lot of time to pre-fish because I'm going to fish this Kusa thing now because um, I got a first and a fourth from the Susquehanna. So if I can get one more good finish, you know, Jody and, and Russ have a first, a first, and, a, and then one of them's got a third and one of them's got a fourth. So um, they've got – they each have two firsts and then a third and a fourth. So they're right neck and neck. But, hey, if I can get one more good finish and then I can do well at this TOC, which has got some moving water in, in balance, which is also kind of one of my strengths – doesn't mean I'm always going to do well because I think the worst tournament I've ever done was that uh that one that I saw you had Ryan on uh FLW the Nickajack Jack. yeah yeah Nickajack yeah, get off and things just did not go well for you when they dropped the water that day I I couldn't couldn't figure them out but it doesn't always mean I'm going to do well but I think I've got a decent shot you know what I mean I know Russ is really familiar with that water so he's probably not going to do probably not going to drop too far but it's going to come down to Whoever, between Cody, Russ, maybe, you know, Ron or Siddiqui, anybody that's up there for the AOI, you know, it's going to come down to this TOC because the points drop by two-point increments. So if Russ or Jody do slip up and they get, you know, a, 
a 12th or a 15th or whatever. Because, I mean, look, there's 50 anglers in this thing, and they're all just hammers. Every one of them. I don't even so think those I two can... know double digits. I don't think they've ever seen double digits before. Not really. In their life. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, so, but anyway, it could happen. And uh, if they don't, if they, you know, slip up at all and they get a 10th and somebody that's right behind them gets, you know, wins it, then they could leave for uh, AOI. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens at Kusa. And then I'll have a couple days to pre-fish for the national championship, which is definitely not enough. That place is way too big. And there's so yeah. many has got a lot there. of water. Yeah. It's, it's going to be real like hard. 340. I think it's at 340 now. So at least it's like 400 less than what it was this spring. So that's, that's good. Oh, okay. You knocked out so 400 people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. Yeah. So that'll help. It's going to be a zoo either way, but um, it will be a zoo. Yeah, that's for sure. But we'll see. Gunnersville fish is small, but but there Gunnersville's a it's a big it's a big fish lake, you know. Uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of moving water on Gunnersville, but uh, you can definitely find those fish that just want to eat the eat the moving bait. So that's for sure. Yeah. Any time yep. of the year. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know about that place well. That's for sure. A little bit. A little bit. I used to go there. <laughs> Well, Ryan, I don't see Jesse more. Halverson. Jesse Halverson says Gunnersville has a lot of dead water. Yeah. If you see Jesse Halverson at a ramp on Gunnersville, that's dead water. So <laughs> if you see a spray paint orange Chevy with a Hobie in the back, just go on, keep rolling. You, you found the dead water. So let's talk about your move to to Crescent Kayaks. We I'd actually talked to James about maybe mm-hmm. having him on next week. And then you won this one, so that kind of negated the <laughs> the point of having <laughs> two people to talk about crescent kayaks. But yeah. how did how did this take place? And and then I'll go from there. With I got a yeah, couple yeah. more questions. Well, you know, you know, it just was the right fit, man. The right time. Um, you know, COVID, everything in the world sort of just got flipped upside down, and things in the industry changed, and so it was just the right time for me to to move on. I mean, uh, Jackson Kayak was awesome, and love everybody there still of course and and there's just a great group of folks there and like we did a lot of good stuff together you know in 10 years and i mean i'm super blessed and fortunate to um you know have designed that kusa boat um with that high low seat um invention and idea that sort of led to you know obviously um all the other boats that jackson did and a lot of the innovations that we see on a lot of fishing kayaks out there um just super humbled and just just so proud of how many messages and people that have fished out of those Jackson boats and caught big fish and just created memories with their families and in their lives. And, and it's just so cool to be able to do that. But then at the same time, you know, uh, you know, life changes, the world changes, everything changes, uh, businesses change and there's, there's totally nothing wrong with that. And, um, it was just to move on to Crescent and, um, try doing something new over here. And so I'm be the director of specialized fishing kayaks and designing a very cool, interesting line of kayaks and, uh, it's, it's awesome because it's a very, very small company. James uh, Durbecker is, um, you know, owns it. And he, you know, like you said, you talk to him, super, super cool guy, um, down to earth, just your super family oriented. And he calls me, he's just so genuine. And I'm so happy to be a part of this, uh, this family because he's just like, man, I'm so happy for you. It's not about, I don't even care that, you know, like you wanted out of the ultralight and that's awesome. I'm just so happy for you personally. Cause he just kind of knows, what a rough year it's been for us personally moving um, my family up to Ohio has been tough and selling our house in North Carolina. We had a lot of problems with that and just had a lot of other issues. I can't really even get into, but it's just been a, a real rough, you know, like nine months. So to see 
that God sort of led me to him. And now I'm just never been happier and just excited about an opportunity to design boats and have what's cool about, about James and what he has going on there. He gives me the freedom to just do whatever I want to do. Cause I've, I sort of have the skill set with kayak fishing that he doesn't have. He's more like a, a very pure paddler, you know, paddleboard just loves paddling and, and getting out there with his family. I mean, he, he knows how to fish a little bit, but that's just not like, you know, he doesn't know it like we know it. So, and obviously didn't have the experience designing some real hardcore sort of specialized fishing kayaks. So it just kind of worked out where I had, he had like a, if there was any gap that he was ever, he ever had, which wasn't many because their company's growing leaps and bounds and doing great as it is, it would have been, you know, for someone like with my skill set and acumen for, you know, designing some, some boats that probably would suit more of the anglers that are listening and watching right now. So it just worked How out. How long man. have they been around and, and where did they kind of come from? Cause I actually heard about it from, I think it was Dan Onstott from Texas that, that first told me about Crescent because, is they started tagging yak addicts like in, in their pictures and they have you know really good media content and i'll i asked him because i saw that you know he was pushing them i was like who's crescent kayaks he's like oh it's a made in america company it's actually out of georgia yeah. like and I, was, yeah. I had no idea kind i want to say they've been around me. since around two little early 2000s um and james has been building this thing if you go on their website i'm pretty sure and if everyone will check out their website uh you know just crescentkayaks.com you'll see they actually uh, have a nice little line of, of kayaks and some more even before my first boat comes out some very very cool stuff that you guys are going to love and uh, they actually also make the solo skiff which is real popular uh, for especially for saltwater anglers but it's an awesome bass boat i mean legal in these tournaments you know it's a, like a 14 foot real fast you know pointy um bow but anyway they um yeah they've been around for a while and he's been building this this brand and this company just with a lot of determination, passion, and drive. I mean, I've said this before, and it's not an insult. I mean, I'm I'm the same way as James. Like, we're just just very down to earth, real. We're we're human. We're flawed. We're just it's just in a in a good way. It's sort of just like endearing that like this isn't some sort of marketing machine. Let's just appear to be this and that and like whatever. We're just just guys, just dudes, man, and just, just kind of running this thing. He's been grinding and and just passionate about it. So. Um, the integrity and the character of the entire company. Like I said, they're made in the USA. They're out of Georgia. And uh, they've been making a lot of waves in the um, just the paddle sports world with dealers and, and consumers. Because if you go to their website, I guess what I was getting to is their imagery pretty much explains what the brand is all about, which is it's a lot of family and adventure. You know, that's what you'll see in all the imagery. It's just about adventure and just getting out there on the water. Um, they're not like – and we're not trying to be some hardcore – tournament brand i just happen to do tournaments but you know this brand is just about paddling paddle sports in general getting people on the water having fun and if you want to do tournaments out of them that's cool definitely can do them and win them and that's awesome but we're not trying to be the next you know like big you know tournament brand you know or anything but uh, i think the boats that i design will definitely for sure and that i think you guys will be you'll see people fishing out of them probably Katie's uh, hooking us up with the links. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate that. Got to see As her. As always. She, she came to Dardanelle. Got to see her. So. I saw that. Y'all were hanging out. Yeah, we had a, we had a good crew come out uh, Saturday evening after day one. Yeah? Yeah, it was a good time. What's what's kind of your vision, Drew, with with the, with the kayak design? Like, what are you – are you trying to 
integrate? Are you going over the top feature rich? You know, I, I know Jackson had yeah. all the little plugins and bells and whistles and, right. and Ram ball mounts and all that, you know, all that stuff integrated. Like what do you, what are you, are you looking to keep a simplified, clean, you know, open deck? Yeah. Like what are your visions for, for kind of the future? Of your role? Let me plug in my phone before I die here, guys. Yeah. Plug oh, that's it cool. In. I know we promised we wouldn't keep on. you too long because you're on the road, so we won't we okay. won't keep you too much longer. I think this whole hang on. I'm gonna have to turn it on for it to work. Let's see. All right. His vision is to have oh, one with a phone charger in it, right? Yeah, I'm at one. <laughs> yes. I'm at one percent, but I'm still Ooh. rolling. I'm at one percent. You are oh, living on the edge, buddy. I Stuck in mud holes. One percent. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna obviously reveal like. You know, I just I feel like there's um, there's room for. I mean, obviously I'm de developing an entire line of fishing kayaks, so you got to start with one. You know what I mean? And then you're gonna do two, and and uh, and so on. So there's definitely a time and a place for kayaks that have you know a lot of features and a lot of bells and whistles. And there's time and a place like this weekend for me, where you need a kayak that's very simple and stripped down. So you know I'm gonna try to to make kayaks that do you know all the above. And I mean, just do, do things that make sense, do features that make sense. If it's a feature that, you know, only, um, let's say, you know, 30, 40% of the people would use and want, then, then your other, other 60% of the people are going to be either ticked off that it's there and, or they may not care that it's there, but it's going to cause the price of that boat to go up. And so it may have that it may eventually go up to where they don't even want to buy it. Cause they're like, well, why yeah. do I want to buy this? You know? So I mean, I guess um, that's sort of to answer your question. I mean, I'm definitely going to make some pretty cool intentional kayaks that are that have features that I'm going to try. We're going to try taking risks. And what's cool about Crescent and why I've got this freedom, I can we can take risks. James is cool and, and open to taking risks and even working and developing some some new things. And honestly, a lot of them you'll never see. They'll never see the light of day because we, in theory, they send to work and then we test them out and they don't work. <laughs> So kind of like our podcast. Yeah. yeah. It hey, it's still here. It. Still here. So, so that's kind of the thing. You, know, you got to, he's just, so, he's not afraid to try and test this stuff out. And it's because it takes money to do that. You know, it does take some money and, and it sometimes it doesn't work. But when you have a cool idea or something that does work, it's, you know, it was worth it. So, I mean, I guess um, that's what's cool. We're going to try some of that stuff and, and some new and different things that, Hopefully people have never seen, but that'll also not just be different, but be actually efficient and effective and help you guys catch more fish or be more comfortable while you're catching fish or whatever the case. So we'll see. And, and it's cool. So, it's a small company, so we can do that. I'm going to pose two questions. One is a pedal drive on the horizon. Number two, would you be more motor oriented? And you can just pick one of those two. Yeah, I mean, it's not really something that we're – Oh, hang on. I know Sorry. that's a huge investment. That's a lot of no, no, it is. That's to a huge get a to get something. a working pedal drive is yeah. like a big. That's that's well, a big investment. It's a huge investment, and it's not something that you know we're interested in. You know, right now I can't say we ever would be, but it's not something we're interested in right now. And I don't even know if it's. I mean, probably something we'd be interested in ever, honestly. But I mean, we just love what we're doing um, already, and just I think there's a good enough market, enough people out there that they like to do this, and we're also um, you know a very just affordable kayak brand it's super high quality i mean it's i mean this thing got beat up so much it's, it's un unbelievable high quality as good as any you know uh, wildy native jackson hobie i mean as far as the manufacturing it's quality 
um, they're very, very affordable. And that's what's cool. So we're trying to stay in the affordable range because I feel like most okay. people, we're a little bit the aberration of the folks that really fish these tournaments hardcore. They don't mind spending, you know, three, four, and five grand on a kayak. But most of the people out there, especially the ones that obviously are getting started, they don't want to, they don't want to do that. So we're just kind of doing our thing, making it sort of affordable. So um, that's the plan. And then on the motors, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always smart with the way these big tournaments have motors. So it's always smart to have, um, an ab the ability to add them. You know what I mean? For sure. It, yeah, it makes sense. For sure. Um, I think that's the way things are going. I do. From the, uh, yeah. from the pedal drive perspective, you could always promise one and never deliver a working one just as a marketing ploy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Good. <laughs> yeah. Are there any thoughts on doing like, a carbon fiber or a paper mache kayak, either one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, yeah, it's already been done. Yeah, Hell yeah, it's been man. done, dude. So, I mean, I don't want to get into that market either. I think the way it's done now is as good as it's going to get. So, it's fair. Um, probably not wrong. I mean, it's good as probably get. not hey, wrong. Look at, uh, look at EJ. He got second place, right? In, uh, in the uh, tournament this past weekend up there. Oh, what is it on Wheeler? I guess so. That was the super tournament, and they uh, they had what thirty or forty guys for that one. What are your thoughts? On, I mean, that's a good segue. What are your thoughts on like the the attendance for for these KBF events? Like, if you would have had that tournament two years ago in KBF, that would have been a hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty person attended tournament. Do you think it is it conflicting dates? I mean, we're seeing the overall right. average go down, like trail events down to right. 20s and teens. I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on no, kind no, of the man. whole landscape? You don't have to get specific, but on the no, whole landscape of the scene. I mean, maybe too. Maybe we have too many options, too much. There's there's a lot of tournaments out there. I think it's just oversaturated. It's good. It's good for us, but it's not good, you know, for all the trails. They, you know, I think. Um, you know, Bass and Hobie very have a very smaller number of, of tournaments, and so that probably probably helps um, maybe to understand what's going on or whatever. And maybe these, and I know COVID's had, maybe has something to do with it. I don't know exactly, but to me, I just focus on the tournaments that have the biggest entry fees and best anglers are there, and that's kind of all I have time to focus on because most people are kind of like me. I mean, even though I do this for a living in terms of I work in this industry. I'm not full-time just fishing tournaments. I got a family, a wife, a little boy. I can only go off and probably fish like, you know, what, 8 to 10, maybe 11, 12 of these a year. If, if That's like pushing it because you're committing to like seven days probably for each one. If you count the time you're packing up, unpacking at home, you're not really family too much when you're doing that. So it's maybe seven, eight days sometimes on these trips. So that's like one – that's more than a week a month you're gone. So I think just – you know, maybe that's it. Just, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going on with that, but who knows, man. It, it's, I know a lot of things changed in the middle of the year, so maybe it was confusing to people what all the changes and stuff happened with COVID and everyone had to zig and zag, and they had the most tournaments and the most stuff going on, so maybe that sort of kind of, you know, had an impact on, on I guess, what people were, were looking at doing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think... Uh, by uh, the way, I, gotta, I just realized I got to go pretty soon. I got another thing happening right here, like, whatever it is nine o'clock eastern okay um yeah so. i know i know we told you we wouldn't keep you too long so we'll let you get out of here man we appreciate yeah. you taking the time but no, uh, you're good. it's not, been fun yeah anything right, else for him ryan good, good stopping by we can keep we can keep bullshitting around jeff i got right. i got plenty of time man all, I got all right drew. cool guys drew Good thank time. you man thanks for coming to arkansas congrats on the big big w hey 
hey, I really appreciate it, man. It means a lot. Thanks, Jeff. I'll Ryan, see you on the Kusa. See you, man. All right. We'll see you there. Catch you later. All right. See you. All right, bye. All right. So what else you got, Ryan? Are you ready to wrap this thing up? Ah, oh, man, hell, I don't care. What what else you got going on, no, Jeff? When it. when's your next when's your next tournament? Hell, I'm done. I I think I've got, I've got our state championship coming up, and then that's about it. I'm not gonna be able Where's to make all state championship at uh, Beaver Lake. It's up here this year. Beaver's a good one, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Well, it's not bad. Some, it's tough. White tell me Lake. the truth. Is it good or like, not? Really Is that what good? you want to know? No, it's like, not really. Like, well. You sold me hard on Dardanelle, and I was like, man, I'm missing out on this one. It was a good one. Hey, you and know what? Then, Dardanelle proved out right because it was tough, and that it needs to happen for some for these kind of tournaments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't need, to be just a, yeah. doesn't need to be just a slugfest every time. And they, they had to earn it, and those guys did, you know. With, with the highest attendance in kayak tournaments, was that the most teeth that have ever been in the state of Arkansas at one time? Easy. No, I've been to Alabama and Tennessee, man. I know what I know what you're talking about. I've been, I've been, I've been to the the southeast. Scary, but uh, no, we had a great time in Arkansas, man. We we yeah, Beaver does suck. Dylan or Dwayne Dwayne chimed in. I didn't say it was good. I said it's all right. It's tough. Uh, the White River Lakes. If I'm gonna pick a White River Lake, I'll pick Bull Shoals. It's the third in the chain. Uh, that's a great lake. But Beaver, no, it's tough. Seventy seventy five inches is winning tournaments on Beaver Lake. Of of everything, and I know you fish Fork a couple times. Is Fork the best lake that you fished in your life? Would you say the best? Because I keep getting these reviews from. Well, I keep getting these these reviews from you on these lakes are good, and then I see them and I'm I get confused. Fork just holds the best. A, Fork holds a Fork holds a special place in my heart because it's the first place I ever went to a big national tournament. But Fork turns out some big stringers, though. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, obviously, it turns out big fish <laughs> and big stringers. So, you know, I love fishing there, but it's tough, too, depending on the time of year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you saw what Russ and Scotch and those guys did down there this this uh, spring. Yeah. Cody. So, Cody whacked them down yeah, there. Yeah. Cody that, beat them that, up good down there. Yeah. So, uh, I said it was good, Dwayne, as a joke, because I don't think anything except duck hunting is good in Arkansas. He's up. So, there. I won't. I will not. But what, yeah. else, what else we got going, man? I mean, what else is in the news? We had Jim Ware. Congratulations, Jim Ware, on uh, on winning that uh, KBF Super Duper Regional Trail on Wheeler. Yeah. That was good. He got him a big coin, handed to him on the spot. Good job. I like that. Uh, next up, we've got the CUSA and then the National Championship and then the TOC. TOC. Hey, and, and shout out Knoxville. shout out to Jackson for his big charity event. He had a huge I, – I looked at that. Seriously. And there was over 200 anglers. That was awesome. Dude, so I, I talked to him a lot through the, you know, through the process of this and trying to promote it and, and get him anglers. And I'm like, man, you've got – he really does. Jackson does such a great job. He has so many people in his corner. Like, I felt like 200 was a small goal. Like, I feel like, you know, as you keep promoting that, like, it's – 300 should be the goal for next year. Like, it, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a question on the on the support for it. And I hope Jackson continues his success and and putting on that tournament for such a such a good event. Greg Mulgrew says Ken Wood won the Super Trail in Maine. I didn't even know there was a Super Trail in Maine. The North, I don't know if it's because I'm blocked from the Facebook groups or if there's not any promotion for the events. But I hadn't seen anything about the national championship at all, and. It's in what two or three weeks? Like uh, I've seen some stuff that was basically saying up. we're doing the best we can. 
payouts aren't guaranteed anymore. If you want to come, come. If you don't, ask for your refund. That, that's literally what I saw. Uh, I think the Northeast and California <laughs> oh, actually shit. keeping the light bills on for those guys right now. But I don't, I don't know what 2021 is going to look like uh, for in the landscape because just like in the elite, you know, the, the bass boat pros, you had the elite series, FLW, BPT. One of them made out the other one. So I don't know how 2021 is going to shake out with the, with the three of these groups. I, I think, I, honestly, I think Hobie has – Hobie's taken the – They've taken the lead. I feel like they're head and shoulders above anything else. You know, they're, they're really setting the standard as far as quality events and promotion of the anglers. You know, you see everything. You see posts constantly on social media promoting the anglers, promoting the winners all the time. I think Bass has a huge potential, obviously, with the name. I hope that they will shift to see more of that. And I know, you know, that's – I talk to Steve all the time. And I'm very open with with my advice to anybody. Uh, that's something that I would really like to see. I would like to see them move in more of a kayak specific oriented market there. Like I think they need to have their own leader that just deals with the kayak stuff instead of kind of throwing it all in the pot for somebody to to pick out and and post at the bottom of a website on on what the kayak guys are doing. I really want to see more more promotion there. Uh, Mark Springer says more bass and always a great Hobie schedule. So yeah, it's gonna be I, good. I, can't I wait. agree. I agree. Can't wait. Twenty twenty is gonna be good. Twenty twenty's been a been a wash for me, but uh, anyway, I want to qualify for the classic. I've got Chickamauga and I've got our state championship left to qualify for the classic at unnamed lake in Texas, but that's. That's kind of the hey, last thing that's on my list. I started off my year at Logan Martin and made it in that first shot. So I'm in there. So you got to get over here, get, get to Texas with us. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got washed out pretty heavy yeah, at that one. That was bad. So you survived I, it. I, thank hadn't, uh, I hadn't hit the road. I hadn't hit the road on a bass event yet. So I, I need to uh, I need to travel for one. But the next one's at the next one's at Chick. So yeah. Me and Chick have a weird we have a weird relationship in these big tournaments. I have never been able to to put it together. Uh, some of it's due to my my cup runneth over on on Chickamauga, but I, I really need to lock this one lock this one in and see if I can't qualify for something. You'll make it happen because Duke Trans promising a big uh, big throwdown for us over there in Texas for the classic. So Western Western Sun yeah. sponsored throwdown. That's right. Who's your Who's your not too early pick to win the national championship, Jeff? I don't even know who's in it. I mean, a lot of people uh, bailed Jay out. Whalen's in it. Well, I'll take Jay then. Jay Whalen's in it. I'll take Jay. I know Ron's in it. I heard uh, I heard Dwayne Wally is in it. Yeah. I'll so take, I'll, actually, what I'll take is somebody from the north. It's always some Mike Elsie's in it. Mid, now somebody we don't even know that's going to come down and, and win the thing. Somebody we don't even okay. Well, if I don't know them, then I don't know them. You kind of that's how it's always been. That that's how it always has been. You know what I mean? Seems. I don't know, man. I think I think Gunnersville. You you're probably going. You think you think Kurt Smith might double up? I know he's fishing it. Yeah, he might. I don't know. That's such a big event, man. There's just no telling who stumbles on the right deal with three, four hundred people. You know. I'm taking bids. I'm gonna sell somebody a real good spot, a real good spot for the national championship. So if you need my PayPal, DM me, uh, we'll work something out, but right, I'll, right. I'll put you on a couple. 
Yeah, I'm more interested in seeing how the TOC goes, even though I'm not going to be in it again for the second year. So on the T, so the way that water sets up, so you got a couple really good rivers stretches that run into a couple really mediocre lake stretches. So the trick is you're river fishing. So if you roll your dice on the river and there's a dozen people putting in at your launch, guess what? You're splitting fish all day long. So that's a, that's kind of a a real tricky. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a a place. It's going to be a good tournament to watch. Rush has obviously got experience. I don't know who else is. I don't think so. Barry Davis did well in the, uh, in the event up there. Um, for the KBF that they had, he did well. I think he won day two up there. But you know, those are some guys with some experience. Jordan Marshall, if if he can worm his way in, Jordan's a hammer up there. Eric Thomason, another hammer up there. I mean, they've got some big sticks locally that that will be uh, formidable to to beat on their home waters. So I don't know. We'll see if they can get qualified. I don't think either of those two have qualified yet. As a matter of fact. It'll be fun to watch how the fall shakes out. And I'm interested. I'm sure that Hobie and Bass should drop their 2021 schedules before long. They don't wait until January usually. It's usually October, November. Yeah, I'd say Hobie will probably drop theirs around TOC time. Yeah, so I'll be anxious to see how that goes too. I've been lobbying for another one in Arkansas or close by. We'll see. Fingers fingers and toes crossed. Come on, man. We're good, good, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Just a reminder to everybody, show etiquette on the water. For your fellow anglers, don't be trying to cut in on people. Don't be trying to invite friends and family in for day two of fishing and and try to blow out somebody else's spot. Just have some respect, some common sense. uh, And if nothing else, at least have a conversation with somebody if you are sliding in on them. Uh, That always helps clear the air so you can get how their feeling is on it anyway. Amen. And that's all I got to say in closing. Yes, sir. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. We'll try to do this thing again next week, huh? Sounds good. All right, man. Have a good one, Ryan, and thank you all for watching. We're going.